Welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. I'm Deanne Tate, Managing Director of the Peace Alliance, and your host for today's discussion. The Peace Alliance's mission is to educate, advocate, and mobilize people into action to transform systems and public policy toward a culture of peace. You can learn more about the Peace Alliance by going to peacealliance.org. Today, we come together for our National Monthly Peace Builders podcast, where we invite speakers at the forefront of peace building to share the work they're doing in the world. These visionaries cultivate and create the conditions for peace, personally, nationally, and internationally. Our guests today are Johanna Thompson and Quincy Doucette. We wanted to have a dialogue centering the voices of Black women as we explore the concept of peace throughout the diaspora. Jay and Q will be engaging in conversation around what peace looks like for the Black community from their perspective with these four questions to guide the discussion. First, how do we define peace? Second, are there distinctions specific to peace for Black people? Third, what are some ways that visions of Black peace are embodied currently? And fourth, what is the work that needs to be done to get to the most full and vivid picture of peace for Black people? But first, let me introduce our guests. Johanna Thompson, or Jay, is the co-executive director of the Florida Restorative Justice Association, a founder of Unity 360 Institute and director of development and fundraising at We Can't Breathe Incorporated. She also serves as the community peacebuilding team lead for the Peace Alliance. Jay's career is dedicated to creating collaborative spaces across an intersection of networks, fostering relationships and maintaining a vision to increase the capacity of those working toward equitable social and transformational justice until freedom dreams are reality. Jay amplifies indigenous methodologies as a tool to shift the pervasive violence prevalent in our social, economic, and political practices by centering our most vulnerable community members to benefit all. Jay earned a Master of Public Administration from New York University Wagner School of Public Service and an undergraduate degree in psychology from Columbia University. We welcome Jay to the broadcast today. Our second guest today, guest speaker, is Quincy Doucette, or Q. She serves as the Director of Program and Procurement for the We Can't Breathe Incorporated. She is a facilitator crafting containers for community to listen, reflect, create, and witness each other with presence and depth to inspire what is possible. Quincy has collaborated with a myriad of communities, organizations, and universities and colleges to develop and deliver programming that is tailored to communities' needs and curiosity. We welcome Q to this broadcast. Toward the end of the podcast, Jay and Q will be telling you about legislation that is currently in the House and Senate that we want you to be aware of. 
We will also give you some calls to action so that you can make your voices heard in these areas. So stay tuned for that. Don't go anywhere. I'm so pleased to have you both with me today, and I look forward to what I imagine will be a rich conversation. The room is yours, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Deanne. Oh, that was fantastic. So fancy. <laughs> fancy and formal. <laughs> I just want to offer that my my I love being referred to as Jay and my name is pronounced Johanna, like Johannesburg, South Africa. Okay. And I'm Q, <laughs> pronounced Q. <laughs> and I'm excited to be here with you today, Jay. I am excited to be with you. You know that, you know, I love having these conversations, these intellectual activations that we get to just uh, enjoy how each other is thinking about things. And today we're really gonna be centering our conversation on talking about peace, but peace um, in the way that we would define it in, um, in the black culture particularly. And what does that look like? So we wanna start out with a definition. I know you have something prepared. because you know that's what I'm saying? That's how I, I, of course, the Virgo in me just had to come with a low outline, but you're absolutely right. So I thought it would be really helpful to think through Merriam-Webster's definition of peace where they break down in three different ways. So the first definition is a state of quiet, especially freedom from public disturbance or war. The second is freedom from upsetting thoughts or feelings. And the third is harmony in personal relationships. All right. So how would you define peace? Like when somebody is asking you that question and they're like, what does peace mean to you? Like what, what, if you're trying to be in a peaceful place, a peaceful setting, what does that look like? What is your peace? I have to say like the second and third definition. I wasn't, first off, I have to say shout out to Miriam Webster because I really wasn't expecting such great definitions for peace. Um, Let's but talk I would about have that, right? Like yeah. most of the time when people are talking about peace or peace building, what are we thinking about, right? The the normal narrative. I'm going to get back to like you giving the explanation, but I did want to like hone in for a moment yeah. on the reality that when we're when when the discussion of peace comes about in any community. We initially start thinking about peace signs. You start thinking about multicolored. You think about hippies because our American culture has really like um, had a had a love affair with you know that the 1960s free love hippie like all peace, all things are good and beautiful. Um, and we're also thinking about it just in relationship to nonviolence. Like that's how the conversation the conversation goes to this place of. We are just speaking about not being violent, not you know being physically violent, mentally violent, verbally violent, um, emotionally violent, like some form of violence. And so, hearing Miriam Webster define peace as freedom of disturbance from disturbance, um, uh, upsetting thoughts—that's a, a really a, a way of uh, defining peace that makes much more sense to me and my lived experience. So back to you. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that reframe because automatically when you ask that question, I was like, oh, well, I think about the opposite of war, you know? Um, and I love that you highlighted that. The definite, when you first think about it, it's almost always rooted in violence or the anti of violence. And this offering from Miriam Webster to think about it totally, not totally removed, but in the void of 
before not even being in the picture is a great invitation um, and flows seamlessly with the last question that you had, which for me, this these last two of freedom from upsetting thoughts or feelings and harmony in public relations. Re and honestly, all three, a little bit of a remix, like a state of quiet. I just the thought of that, I think about the most tranquil times in my life so far, and it, it has always been centered around really observing what happens in, in the quiet, because there's so many things that can happen in the quiet, so much. It's just like a, it feels like a, like a blanket coming over you, you know, like a nice weighted blanket <laughs> that offers you to like really think about um, what, what is being for you in that moment. And I think that that is part of the harmony in, in personal relations. Like it takes the quiet in order to get there. But how about you? I, I saw that first piece and I was like, oh, that's Jay. I want to hear what you think. That is me all day. When we're when I'm thinking about peace, I am really seriously thinking about just leave me alone. <laughs> For all of the things that are happening in the world, peace comes to be when I can, again, sit in quiet, be by myself, in my freedom, real freedom, in my liberty, um, thinking the way that I want to have in conversations with myself on, on there's two days that I take time. And those two days, and everyone who knows me knows really, really well that on the day of my birth and Mother's Day, the mm. door is closed. Don't <laughs> knock on it. Don't ring my phone. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, but when I'm thinking about peace, I'm really thinking about just leave me alone because all of the other um, spaces and time and energy that I devote to trying to help make sure that other people are able to feel and experience a little bit of peace for themselves also is really imperative that I have moments to just remove myself and go within myself and be able to like breathe and do some of the things that you always speak about this cue, do some of the things that you need to do to actually take care of yourself. Um, and I do think that if we're having a conversation, I am going to say this and I'm going to speak from my eye space. And so this is not like, you know, a qualifier for everybody who identifies as black. Um, but there is this like less thing about violence and more about please leave me alone. Allow me to be in my being. Allow me to walk down the street. <laughs> Allow me to go grocery shopping. Um, allow me to just be able to do the things that I want to do that's gonna, uh, that I'm feeling like is me surviving, thriving, um, and being okay. Less about what violence looks like. We, we are born into a really violent culture. Um, most of us are very clear about that. Most of us recognize the narratives that speak into um, Blackness being equated with violence. And so if we're talking about peace and we're thinking about violence as the antithesis to peace that, and violence is equated with Blackness, then we're creating this narrative that's very convoluted and complex. Um, and, uh, and so one of the ways to be able to deal with that is to say, leave me alone. <laughs> the, the person who sang it the best um, 
in my opinion, was Michael Jackson when he was singing his song, Just Leave Me Alone. I was going to play, I was going to put the video up so we could just hear a piece of, of oh, that, that <laughs> a piece of that. Um, yeah. the, the, for me, that's really what captures uh, what peace, what peace is um, and what it looks like. I love what you shared too, because it, it is about leaving you alone, but it also, in these moments where you're talking about these two very specific, special days for you, it's also like, let me move. I feel what I get from it is like, let me move in the way that I want to move. Because it's not like you're, from knowing you so far, Jay, you're not alone on your birthday and you're definitely not alone on Mother's Day, but it is like a, a willingness to relate in the way that you want to relate mm-hmm. and connect with those that kind of fill you up. Am I right in, in reading that? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, I'm not alone, but there is a rule. The rule is don't, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm real about that rule. <laughs> if I decide that I want to come out and communicate yeah. on that day, I mean, that's that's my day where I really do feel in my full freedom mm-hmm. and don't feel obligated to take care of anyone else's needs in, in those mm-hmm. moments. Um, and that's peace for me. Like, if I can have a if I can have time to not have to take care of anyone else's needs in a moment, which is something that, you know, I think falls on the shoulders of Black women historically, um, mm-hmm. then it's, it's, uh, it's good. It feels good. Yeah. 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 I, I appreciate that too, because it, it feels like, like, to your point of being born in a world of violence, there's also this, like, there is a way to be especially as a black person, all these different dimensions. There's a way to be the respectable black person at work. And there's a way to be the respectable, even black activists or the X, Y, and Z, you know, build a box for something. And this idea of just creating space to be Mm. in your fullness of whatever that means in that moment. And this very clear distinction of we're not, we're not, we're not thinking about violence right now. Like that, you already know that we're, we're very aware and versed in that. What else feels very important to me? And it kind of leads into that second question that we were trying to think over, which is what are the distinctions specific uh, to peace for black folks? The, the image that kind of, well, this kind of leads into the next question in terms of like the visions of embodied peace. But what makes me think about this the most is you know when you're like at a random event and like you just you just so happen to go to this event and there's a bunch of black people and you know you might not know everybody there but there's this song there's a song that comes on like candy by cameo just like candy and then everybody's on the dance floor and then you just just excited and moving and free yeah and in unison in that freedom you know i feel like uh that is a beautiful picture of yeah that feeling embodied but also uh there's this weight that comes for to your point of like doing all this work for other people and other people and us but there is this weight of when you're moving the needle and trying to support these different interventions or different uh strategies for uh equity for black people we're also doing that for everybody like everybody else will benefit and that is a huge weight to have to shoulder uh, and that vision that I have of us all dancing the candy is like, you know, we're not, even, that's not something that we're holding in that moment. We're just kind of just moving, you know? Moving. Um, yeah. What do you think? 
flowing, flowing like water. Um, I agree with that. I, I do think some of my happiest moments where I feel most filled, and if we're thinking about peace in that way, is when we're at the cookout. You know, mm -hmm. this is being at the cookout, being together, being in harmony, an unspoken understanding of mm -hmm. experience um is really it, it feels good and and that's a um when we can think about the different ways that we can embody peace within ourselves the things that really feel good um it is being in community with people where you don't feel like you have to be performative in yeah. any way shape or form you can really just be and the reality of thinking about having to prepare yourself to be performative and all of the time. And as soon as you wake up and get ready to have to walk out your, your home, especially as a person identifies as Black in America, like that is, uh, it really takes a lot to be able to get to peace because the majority of the time you're not in your full, full billing full being, which is why the cookout, which is why the party, which is why the candy, which is why those things become an essential part of, of, of the way that we have survived over the nations. Like even if we're, now that you brought this up, even if we're thinking historically um, about, you know, people coming over, being stolen and brought over, you know, through the middle passage and like um, being on this land and then and and being um, in in captivity and oppression and, and dominion, and the moments of those wonderful songs, those spiritual songs that were being sung, or the chants, or the rhythms of the drums, the things that people um, held on through historically, uh, we see that played out in our culture today. Like really being able to go back to those places that allow us to be in community to hear the sounds that we need, the vibrations and the sounds that we need to hear that is also a part of that peace building. And I don't know, um, now that I think about it, how much we pay attention to how critical that is to our existence. Yeah, that's just like an aha moment for me as we're having this conversation. Uh, yeah, I definitely, because every the, as you're speaking about this, I'm just having all these different like visions of going to jazz concerts, but really specifically like NOLA bands that happen on the street where, Folks are just in the music, moving through the streets, spreading that love. Um, and it doesn't, I, yeah, this historical angle that you brought up also feels really powerful to me because it makes me think about this quote and I, I am so sorry that I can't remember where, who to attribute this to, but it was something about like, freedom is not an ordinance, it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and no one can deem me free. There's a, there's something internal about that. and. I just think about historically how even the feeling of freedom has been passed down through the lineage, you know, uh, folks, it, it's not like we were, we were not a joyous people, no matter what we were going through. And right. that is something that's really, really inspiring for me. Uh, especially now that we're living in this, in this wild ongoing pandemic, you know, where, where there, there could be so many reasons to feel as though you cannot access that. Um, but you just got to remind yourself that that's, it's in our blood, baby. It's in our blood. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, it is in our blood. Um, yeah, it's in our, it's our, it's in our blood. It's in, it's in all of the things that we're creating. Um, I'm thinking is that being able to like re-cue ourselves back to 
how do we figure out how to exist in the environments that we have? Um, and what are the tools that we use to be able to do that? Like, how are we able to be in our expression and what tools that we have that allow us to remind ourselves and our community of what it looks like to get back to a, a place of peace? Yeah, and, and, and we're in a moment, we're in a, we're in a moment where ah, people are hurting. Yeah. And, um, and we have to. And I'm believing that it's really important to look at those examples of how people have gone, have gotten through. There's a thing that you and I have talked about before, Q, when we're talking about um, not being adverse to conflict. So a part of being able to get to peace is to really be able to sit in conflict, to sit in the discomfort, to sit in and work through whatever the tensions and the conflicts are so that you can actually get to the other side. I think as an American culture, we miss that piece of the work. We miss that piece of, it is okay to be in, in conflict. It's okay to be in tensions. Um, that's not what violence is. It's actually more violent to ignore those things or to act like you know transgressions to someone has not occurred because then you're never able to get to your healing. Um, I know you'd like to speak to that. That was a great, yeah, that was a great introduction to this conversation. Cause I think the other piece of that too is the hard piece, which is like, it's also moving towards peace is also like figuring out how to work through accountability uh, mm -hmm. and being okay with when we fall short uh, in the visions that we have for a peaceful and equitable world. like. We are really working through unprogramming a lot of the things that perpetuate, you know, all the things that we're hoping to dismantle. And it is, it's just not, uh, <laughs> it's not practical to think that we don't, we don't, we don't internalize some of those things. And then by internalizing it, actually externalize it in the way that we move. Uh, and so how how are we constantly checking in and getting feedback from those that we're surrounding? the loved ones that we have, and also the folks that we do work with um, to see how we can further get closer to the line that we envision, because it's not just a journey for, it's so easy to think about this as just like a general, you know, like a big thing and not think about what happens on the individual scale. It's easy to like think about this as a community or think about this as a globe, but the individual scale, scale um, in my head is one of the most important, you know, Adrian Marie Brown says this thing where it's like small is all mm. and small then feeds into the greater. Uh, and I 110%, that shift was really important for me because uh, these, these things can feel so insurmountable to get to peace. It just feels like they're too big to do this. But if we think about what are the ways that we are trying to integrate uh, moving more towards our visions on our small scale and being open to the process of hearing it, which is hard and it's difficult and it's uncomfortable um, and willing to make shifts towards what we wanna see, that then ripples into uh, the larger pot that we're trying to get into. And also come, you come up with to your point of tools and doing that small practice, you are able to kind of add some tools to your toolbox that are specific to your own niche communities and your own you know, 
very personal relationships and think about ways to uh, well practice them in those small relationships. And then that gives you access to think about ways that that can be applicable to the community and then triple out to the global scale. Yeah. Um, and then you get to share with other folks. And so I totally agree with you. It's really, really important. I think so too. I love, I love thinking about like the scalability of peace building. Mm -hmm. um, and it brings me back to thinking about how we have this love affair. I spoke about it earlier and we glorify the sixties peace movement. Mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't born then. <laughs> I might've been, might been born out of it. <laughs> but I wasn't born then, but I'm curious, like, if we were thinking about the elements that we glorify out of the 60s peace building movement, what were some of those things that are highlighted to you? Um, because I know that that working with with other peace builders and, and, and people that put that in the forefront of of um, of their goals, mm -hmm. there's always we just let's leave with love. If we're just leaving with love, everyone is just going to get along and it's going to be this very harmonious, wonderful thing that occurs. And you can even see how my voice. Oh, it has changed. Changed. <laughs> yeah, butterflies. You know, butterflies. You know, but what, what does that really look like? And, um, and I'm thinking about that also because going to this wonderful um, musical expression of this jazz concert and one of the pieces being from the movie Hair, which was quintessentially during that, that peace movement time. And it really did speak into, I don't know if you saw the movie, but it really did speak into um, even, even though there was this larger context of peace happening and, and people thinking about peace in this very, you know, cool way, um, there were still struggles that were not being amplified and identified during that, that time in that moment. So some of the things that you think about. Um, I think like I, so I don't know, I also wasn't born in the 60s. <laughs> when you first brought this up, I don't know if this is in the right uh, timeline, but again, what is time, time to construct. Exactly. But I think about, I think about Fred Hampton comes to mind and mm -hmm. I think about the work of the Rainbow Coalition where you have mm -hmm. uh, these folks who had very specific things that they were uh, working towards for their community. But this person who had a vision of like, okay, this is, we're, it's gonna be a struggle for us to all come together because we, for some, there's this facade of, uh, you know, strife or distinctions that are too, far, that make us too far apart to ever come together. But this person who had a vision of, no, but it's gonna take us coming together and figuring out how to have these conversations with each other in order to move towards anywhere in, in a big way, in a big scale. Um, I also think like when you're talking, when you were talking like this and you're talking about love is to your point, um, love is just, love is not just that, you know, mm -hmm. that is kind of the, the, the cloud that we get to move through, but what happens inside the cloud, the storming, the, you know, the tears, all of that is as important. And it's just in the way that it's being held, which is at the root. And I think that that is one of the biggest tools. Um, that I also pull from that is the struggle is really real. And it's not just because it, this is uh, 
embedded in love does not mean that it's not going to be uncomfortable, but I love you enough that I want to stay in this Mm -hmm. uncomfortability. So that way we can generate more of that lovey-dovey feeling that you love so much and spread that out to the world. But it is going to take the storm cloud that happens inside of that. How about for you? What are, what are some specific tools that come up for you? Well, one, again, going back to this element of music being able to be an expression, like the arts being able to be an expression of helping people to connect with humanity and connect with the similarities that they have, right? So in communities where there there might not have been an opportunity for people to come together and figure out how they can struggle through together, there are the mediums of art that um, that allow those spaces to be convened. Um, so I think that that's really important, a, a really important element of how we think about and what tools we can pull out of the love movement of the 1960s and the peace movement of the 1960s. I love thinking about the way that you uh, have elevated that, you know, in the cloud, in the storm, again, there's there's processes that have to go. Um, I love thinking about Fred Hampton and having a vision of what are our similarities that bring us to this table together um, so that we can talk about the narratives that don't serve us, that are actually harming us, that we are not really paying attention to. I think that that is a critical um, component of it. And um, there was another point that I was thinking about, um, not just pulling from the 60s, but trying to think about it, tapping in today. Oh, when you were speaking about um, I love you enough to stay in it. And if we're thinking about uh, Black people and the history of the level of violence that has occurred in this country, mm-hmm. our existence here is a testament to I love you enough. Mm-hmm. I love you enough to stay in it. Like, in a like in a in a more in a scalable thought, um, because I know I I believe that there's this underlying fear of um, retribution because we are a culture that practices retribution rather than restoration, um, and so if there's an underlying uh, conversation, an unspoken conversation about retribution, then most Black Indigenous people of color should be in a a retributive stance, in a violent stance, in a, I mean, we have enough uh, accessibility at this point to be retaliatory, Mm -hmm. but our approach has never, ever been in a violence, retaliatory, punitive way, but it has been in a, can we take a moment to acknowledge the violence, the transaction, to be accountable in the way you were speaking about earlier, so that we then can work through what it is that we've gone through mm-hmm. and get to a more equitable future that's actually sustainable, that's actually um, able to evolve and expand and, and build and grow in a much quicker rate because we're not having these internal tensions that are stopping the progress that America is um, uh, founded on. America asks asks to to be the leaders and innovators um, and models to the world. Um, And the world is looking at us as a laughing stock in this moment because we're not doing the work of 
really actually loving each other in the way that we need to, um, to get to the progress, to get to the actual standard that we've set for ourselves. Um, and maybe that's a part of it also, uh, thinking about these standards that don't make sense, that are not attainable, that are rooted in perfection and none of us are perfect beings, whatever perfect beings would look like, right? I mean, they're, they're, we exist in, a, in an ecosystem, right? So one, there, there is um, a balance that we're all trying to get to, but not a perfection. So mm-hmm. and there's, a, there's a clear difference. When we are creating these standards, when we are thinking about how we've come up to, how we've, how we've come to some of the, um, the uh, social norms that we follow, uh, it's a, it's really a moment of a, a, a peace is to reflect on how we've gotten to those things to make sure that we are thinking about them in ways that are considerate of a larger network of people than just ourselves and like what our benefits are. And like, that's where the balance comes in, um, in my opinion. And, and balance also equates to peace. Absolutely. Right? So like when our body gets to just biologically, when we get to balance, when we get to homeostasis, just like, you know, breathe, um, that is also, you know, considered a state of peace. Um, and the reality of it is that, you know, most people of color, you know, don't get to live like that, right? Because we're living in trauma and terror, like that's yeah. our existence. Um, yeah. That, it throws the balance off for all the other folks. So when we're talking about centered, the most impacted people, we're saying Mm -hmm. if you get balance in that space, then you're not going to be throwing off this ecosystem that we all exist under. It's not rocket science. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. I love these pieces that you're you're introducing. I mean, I have images when you were sharing. uh, First, uh, you know, the, the 1619 project has come out with something like a visual um, shout out to Nicole Hannah Jones, you're my fave. <laughs> one of the things that they were talking about in one of these episodes was the, the initial conversation with Lincoln about uh, trying to convince, you know, black folks to say like, you know, what if y'all just leave? You know, like let's let's offer that as as uh, an offering to figure out how to deal with this tension and those folks saying, but we are this country. Like this mm. is literally built on our backs. And so no, we won't be leaving. We love you enough mm. to stay. And I think there's this other piece though of really taking time to listen to the needs of the folks, to exactly to your point, to the most impacted. And what does it look like to believe into the needs that they're sharing um, become barriers to sustainability, become barriers to uh like if you're fighting for basic access to just basic things, it's gonna be really hard to think through thriving when every day you're thinking about when your next meal is gonna come from or you know, what happens if you're not covered for X, Y, and Z, if you get hurt, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it gets, it becomes a barrier to really think about what does balance look like for yourself if you're kind of fighting just to have a chance to just be be not even balanced, but just firm on your feet uh, mm-hmm. and centering the most impacted. I just, I love what you're talking about because it just makes me think about ecosystems in general. When you're like, it's not rocket science. It's literally like these teachers are everywhere. Like if you think about the way that tree networks work or you think about mm-hmm. like fungi, like our 
if we were to, to your point of like social norms, if we were to expand um, our ideas of who we are in kinship with on this planet um, and really be open to the lessons that are there, I just, I wonder what changes and, and shifts could really be made. Like what, what would be some immediate shifts that we'd be like, okay, this is actually ridiculous <laughs> that we think this is idea of, mm-hmm. you know, individual, like we are just individuals. And if one individual thrives, then it's going to be great and screw everybody else kind of how, what does that look like in nature? Like, what is your example? You know, <laughs> cause I, I have yet to see it. Um, yeah, I feel like that, that, Ooh, that one took me. That, you took me out a little bit. When you <laughs> a little bit. That's right. You took me out a little bit because I, uh. um, I. I think that um, as I'm thinking about how you're uh, going through this process of ecosystems and what does it look like, you know, I'm always coming back to like this current moment and where can we find examples of that in our in the way that we're existing in today. And I'm thinking just about the the internet in and of itself, right? So like, let's go to all of the jokes. The the reality is, is that we have a platform in this moment that allows people to really fully be in their individualism. But that individualism is really being shared as widely as is accessible for for people because not everybody has access and, and, and recognizing and honoring that. But for a majority of the people who are having access to be online, to look at the social media, we are sharing information with each other. We're building connections. We're learning from each other. I mean, I don't have TikTok, but my young person obviously has the TikTok and the TikTok. My young person has TikTok and it's like, it's gotten to be a joke in our home where something is communicated to me that I absolutely do not know. And I'm like, where did you, you learn that on TikTok? And they're like, yes, I did learn that on TikTok, but it is like remedies to like removing catch up. I mean, and I'm not just like talking, but it is an opportunity for us to share culturally that I, I saw another one the other day where <laughs> this young white identified woman was out somewhere in the wilderness of some sort. And the joke that they, it wasn't a joke, but they were saying, I learned from my Black community on TikTok that I should not go towards the sound where there's harm. Because, mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> you start running and now you, <laughs> you and me, that's a right. That makes complete and total pragmatic sense. But mm. for a community and a culture of people, the traditional joke that now people are getting to to see and share is that other people of other cultures white folks in particular will go towards the noise and be very curious and want to find out because of being able to sit in your privilege of not thinking that harm is going to come to you whereas coming culturally from another place you're not going to do that. You're not going to have that curiosity because your premise, you, you live in a world where you're expecting harm to come to you. So you're going to do all of the things that you can within your environment to protect yourself from harm um, and also to be able to get to or maintain some type of peace. 
which is a really like we're joking about it on on TikTok. But then when you think about it, like the underlying impact of that on your body, on the body of being able to have peace is culturally, there is going to be a difference. I don't feel like I ever have any harm. So I can be curious and, and go and search any place mm-hmm. as opposed to um, I'm always at harm. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do in this moment to seek safety, to seek some peace? Yeah, so. that was such a great example. I, 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 I love TikTok too. And I, there's so many different TikToks that I, that I love. One of my favorite uh, TikTok lanes is uh, the, el- the uh, elders on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And when they're oh, sharing yes. remedies, you know, and yes. they're doing their dances, but really it's when they're sharing remedies when they're like, you know, if you have an earache, consider this. Yeah. And if you feel, you know, a little puffy, get some, get some greens on your, you know, they're just so, so um, generous with the knowledge that they're sharing. Um, to your point, tools that they've acquired and sharing that back and, and to networks and mass. Uh, and also like, I think about struggles that we had we would I personally would have no idea about had I not been tapped in mm-hmm. on the internet in some form I think about things that are happening in Iran I think about mm. uh, Bad Bunny who had this you know music video I love Bad Bunny too but they had this music video that you know everybody's kind of like rocking to the music but when you watch the music video it's about the blackouts that are happening in Puerto Rico I mean mm-hmm. kind of spices it with newscasts about what the struggles look like right now in PR and how that ties specifically to different legislations. And it, you know, to think about being a star in mass in this way that this person is right now and trying to, to your point, use the arts to infuse what it means to, to be being right now and what things we can push forward. I get so excited. I mean, I think about also um, the black disabled community on TikTok. The, the, you know, being very mm-hmm. vocal and predict, predict, what did Octavia Butler said this thing where it's like, I, I'm not clairvoyant. I just, I'm just, I just read. You know, and these folks that are like, listen, these are the things that you're really going to want to think through um, as folks who've been navigating a healthcare crisis our whole life or for X amount of time. These are really big uh, indicators of um, coverage or safety or care that you're going to really want to think through long term for folks, um, and it feels it feels it feels uh, filling in some ways, and then it also I think can it can add to folks feeling overwhelmed mm. by so many different. Uh, levels of strife at one time and so peace can sometimes feel unattainable I should say to myself sometimes I'm just like god it feels like no matter where we turn um even if we feel a little bit of peace in this area it's just like all of this other stuff I wake up tomorrow and like all this other stuff is going to have to be a thing that we move through uh especially when you think about being black in the states right now uh mm-hmm. in every I would say right now but you know it's just that it, because of the internet, we get to see this in real time. Like real another time. another person, another person, another person, right? Um, and it becomes very vivid to your point, like adds to this vigilance that's very necessary because it's it's no longer, you know, the stories that your grandmother tells you. It's, mm-hmm. you, know, you get to see these faces in Missouri, in Texas, in Cali, and all these places that, you know, Miami and 
uh, these places that are, you know, I think in some folks' mind eye are like, oh, these places are so liberal and fun. Yeah. People must just be, you know what I'm saying? Sunshine all the time. And it's like, no, there are all these pockets. You have to be vigilant. Um, mm -hmm. And what does that do? And how does that shape the tools that you then acquire? Yeah, yeah, that level of, of vigilance is, um, is, hard, is hard to contend with. Um, and so thinking about, thinking about all of, all of the ways that we've been talking about uh, peace building, particularly in the black community. Um, and just going back to like really parsing out the places where we embody peace. Um, and that, that I, I'm, I'm gonna challenge us to talk about it outside of the traditional narratives and tropes, right? About black culture. So, okay. so like, like, let's really try to stretch our imagination about like how we embody peace outside of music, food, and music and food, and <laughs> outside of music and food and music and food. <laughs> but yeah, in real and different ways. Um, I was. I, I can lead by modeling a little bit. I was um, at a, a national restorative justice. Um, conference in Chicago over the summer, last summer, 22. And um, they allowed us at one point in the conference to go out into community so that you could see how community was immersing itself and like doing what, what we call restorative justice. If people are not familiar with restorative justice. It's a, it's a process by which you acknowledge the harm that you've created and then you try to make amends with the community of people that are most directly impacted. That's a quick and easy like way of describing it. Um, and and the, what I understand the purposefulness of restorative justice is, is to get to a journey towards your journey of healing so that you can ultimately get to some form of peace and resolve after harm and violence. And going out into community, and we went to this um, yoga studio that has been um, developed from, for years, it's been for years. And there was just, and throughout the entire day, they brought in just they brought in young people who were doing karate. They brought in a sound healer who was um, uh, doing sound vibrations. They they bought, brought in a tantric body mover. They, they brought in um, a, a, a breathing therapist. They brought in all of these like wonderful, um, exciting um, tools into the space. Um, as, and they and they were saying that this is how they do restoration and how they do um, their RJ process mm -hmm. in the community and the history of Chicago because that's another part of what we got to do is we got to go around and see where the divisions in Chicago were and hear the history of the migration of, of Black Americans um, in from the South into the Midwest um, area and you know the the line that you couldn't cross at a certain you know point uh, throughout our history um, and then what that community and certain actors within that community did during that time um, and so it, it was it was impactful for me to think about to think about the many ways that we always are coming up with different methodologies to embody what peace looks like um, for ourselves. And that's why I challenge ourselves to go outside of like the, the typical tropes of, of music and food and, and black music. Mm -hmm. 
I feel that I think one of the first things that came to my mind was somatics in general, which I probably don't have the on point definition for somatics, but I think of it as just uh, how do you tend to body to then get to that piece, right? Mm. Um, and moving through different practices to be attuned with where your body is right now um, and make shifts within the way that you move your body to get to whatever your homeostasis of life looks like. And um, I had the privilege of going to a embodiment retreat with black trans folks um, mm. in uh, during during Georgia, you know, on, on land that has, you could feel when you're on that land that it has seen some things. It has mm. been, uh, bore witness to a lot. Um, and I kept thinking when I was on there, just a bore witness to a lot of violence against black people. And here we are moving through practices every single day with, I mean, you said not to talk about food, but Jay, this food was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and there's something about, but there's something about the pairing too of mm. this is how we're this is the practice of embodiment that we're going to move in today so you need to eat your greens because your body's really going to be moving through that and um really thinking mm. about like uh the water in your body they're just really trying to take inventory of um and not think about your body as just uh a tag along in this life, but really, really you are in partnership and moving through and how do you be a better partner to your body is kind of how you're moving through that. Um, and I feel like that is another way of embodying peace too, because we hold, what is that that statistics where it's like, uh, you hold, is it 14 generations in your body? I don't know. And, wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the post-traumatic slave syndrome, you know, it comes from that work um that doctor that put in all that work but it's like you hold generations of um just moving through life in your body and mm. so what does it look like to start tending to uh even the way you know the curvature of your spine the way that you move your shoulders in certain instances what does it look like to really bear witness to how your body uh conforms and tries to move through this way and then how can you think about ways to to your point, like breathe in and give permission to be more expansive. And what shifts does that then make in the way that you walk in the world? Mm. Um, and what shifts does that make in what you believe is possible and what you believe you can move towards? And uh, it's not something that's new. It probably somatics is just a new name for it, but people have been doing this for generations on generations on generations and somatics is just a new word for it. Uh, mm. But I do, I, I, I echo what you're sharing. I mean that in the practice of yoga and the practice of uh i can't think about this um what is it the brazilian dance that is like also fighting yes yes that you know all these different ways where you're really you're feeling I, I used to have a friend that would just feel like you know sometimes i wake up and i realize like i'm i'm a whole body i'm a mm -hmm. whole body yeah. you know like, i'm not just this mind that can spit out x y and z theory you know because i read x book i'm a whole body and what does that mean to move through the world honoring your whole body i think that that's really central to talking about like another methodology of peace building um because when we're connected with our bodies and we're actually paying attention to them and then we're finding the language to express um, and maybe it's not always language, right? right. Um, maybe there's some other mechanism that we're doing um, to express what it is that we're feeling and becoming beings that can observe 
another one because like uh, somebody else, another, another being, um, because I'm thinking about how much we are intentional about thinking um, the truth in 5% of our communication is verbal, right? And the other 95% are all of these other things that we're doing. Um, and then that was, that became really very clear when, you know, the, at the height of the pandemic, when there people weren't able to actually be in rooms with each other. So folks are saying stuff, but then you're still trying to figure out how is it that they're really receiving? How is it that it's really being communicated? Um, you're, you're trying to understand that other part of it. And in this concept of peace building, what does it look like to be able to, as you were saying, bear witness to somebody else's existence and also feel like you can bear witness to your own existence and place within the environment that you need to be in? Um, I think that that's a critical part of, of being able to um, embody and embrace embrace peace and be connected with that um, and using and using language like when we're speaking something as little as um, when you're speaking and you're saying like oh I feel like I'm going to or I feel like I uh, um, uh, I feel like I was I don't even know how to do it anymore because I because <laughs> I do the other practice so it's, my brain is having so rewiring. <laughs> Yeah, but, but in language, people are talking about they feel something, but they're not talking about the actual feeling because our culture has asked us. Removing yourself almost. Removing, yeah, absolutely, right? So if we're thinking about that, how are we actually getting to a place of peace when we can't even connect to and or use the feeling words to actually express the thing that we're going through? We're, we're, we're never knowing how to be connected and rooted to ourselves and to one another because we're not expressing it um, in that in that very real, honest and authentic way. Um, and so I think that that's important for the folks that are being intentional in that practice and shifting that into um, the way that we begin to communicate with one another, especially when we've had such different experiences to actually be able to say, I feel sad that I just heard you say that. Right. And let that sit for a minute. Let that like seep into your understanding um, so that when we're talking about people um, who haven't traditionally listened, need to sit back and listen, but then also listen to themselves. How are they feeling about um, some of the things that they're hearing in this practice of listening? And how what are what are they what are we doing to work through um, any of that discomfort? Because I think that that's, the, that's a critical part um, of how we're embodying peace, embodying peace, is being able to really listen, hear, observe, and bear witness um, to one another. This makes me think, well, there's two things that this makes me think of. I think the first piece is one of the, in the work that we do, one of my favorite things that you have created is, or not created, but have uh, kind of, in my head is, is a J trademark, which is aura, you yeah. know, observing. Yeah reflecting what's going on the reflecting is so important and then the adaptation and trying to move through that very specific level of process uh, and not skip any steps <laughs> uh, and seeing what that does and how that shifts the way that people uh, orient to one another uh, and and also this makes me think of when you were talking about COVID and having to stay or uh, at the height of the pandemic and us having to be in these different rooms like it makes me really think about folks um, 
and I think I just always, my mind always orients to black disabled folks who are still in those cases and places. And um, the condition, this idea of how are we creating conditions for wh by which all folks' voice can be heard and to your mm -hmm. point of centering the most impacted. Um, I think about how vital it is to have those voices in the room um, and how vital the question is to the folks that are crafting the said containers to think like, what are the ways in which you are ensuring that uh, within your capability, uh, those conditions are I'm at the forefront of the minds so that way folks can be there. If it's a, you know, if you're in a space where uh, it's literally a health risk for folks to be able to, to speak into their needs or speak into the conversation, um, then how much work are we doing to center the most impacted in these spaces, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so those are the two things I think about. I think about Aura all the time, Jay. You really, really did something. You were in your bag when you came up with Aura because that is, it's literally, you know, what is, how are, it's literally like, how, what is the cloud? You know, we keep talking about this cloud. Like, what is the cloud in which you're moving through the spaces? And like, mm. how intentional are you about the ways in which your own cloud and the mechanisms within your own cloud um, are open to uh, the shifts that you, that you just share in your third person, <laughs> you know, and not stating how it is that um, you're showing up in this, are you observing how you're showing up in this, this moment right now? Yeah. Yeah, and what does that reflective process look like for you, right? Because yeah. because there is a piece of reflection where you're doing it yourself, and then there's a piece of reflection where you can hear from someone else how it is that they're receiving and experiencing your your presence in their lives. And sometimes those could be two completely different, different. things. I, I learned that in um, parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> definitely be two different um, uh, ways of receiving. Um, and if we're thinking about that within this framework of embodying peace, um, it is important that we have these other, I love the language that you typically use, these guardrails, right? That we can set so that we can make sure that we're able to pull on all of these tools that allow us to like really start to think about how we're building peace with each other and how we're modeling that. Um, and then the, the other thing that is a, a real uh, embodying peace for me and the work that I currently do is a lot of um, activism, right? It's a lot of speaking for marginalized communities, uh, helping to create space for people who aren't invited or at the table, whose voices that we don't hear, creating this container um, where we're being specifically intentional about making sure that we are checking in with the blind spots that we all have, um, because that's a, a crucial part of the peace building process, right? To make sure that we are in consideration of all of the possibilities, of all of the expansiveness, um, starting with our own bodies, with our own breath, with our somatics, like opening ourselves up to all of the possibilities of, of, um, of our bodies and then all of the possibilities of our uh, communities and then the larger context within um, the world of what it can be to look like uh, I mean, to create a space that um, that really creates a sense of it of of belonging for all of the people that are supposed to, that are in the space, not supposed to be, but that are actually in the space. I think that that's um, hugely important. So, if we're thinking about like the future of 
like, you know, black Afro futurism, peace building. Do we have any examples of that in in the arts? Do we do we have any examples of that in literature? Um, do we have any examples of that coming out of our own imagination on what uh, peace looks like? Whew, that's a big question. Do you want do you want to model? I don't. <laughs> okay yeah there's like a couple of things that come through my head I think about there's like there's this image that comes to my head of um so Angela Davis in uh the midst of the pandemic she, she was at this uh she was at this protest and she was sitting on the car and she just had her her fist up and the people were surrounding her with so much praise. And um, even though they were in pursuit of further action and us to get further into this vision, it just, seeing that moment just felt like um, this person who had such a big vision and went through hell because of the vision that they had and standing true to that vision had folks now rallying around that same cause right behind her. Um, and that for me, it feels like uh, visions of peace personified, like, you know, to actualize in, in real time. And that was really beautiful. So that's one of the things that comes to my head. I think about, uh, I think about Mariam Kaba, who like always asks these questions that just throw me for a loop. Like, I'm just like, you know, what does a world, what can you even imagine a world that uh, removes itself from punitive measures? What really is that serving? And um, what gets rectified when you move in that way? And what would you create in absence of that? Um, I think about, honestly, I think about the youth. <laughs> I think about, <laughs> I think that they are, uh, I don't know, like they, the, the you know, I had this activity that I used to do when I um, was working with different groups of youth and it was just like them using some of the tools that we have uh, virtually to create, to literally create the world that they would like to see. And the ideas that were coming up, like ideas that I literally could not have even thought of were like, yeah, and it would be so simple. Like just think about this step and this step and this step and then that's it. Like, <laughs> it was like, what, how did, how are you even doing this? So I think about in like my, in my vision of a world, if I get to like, I feel like this might be going too off tangent, but Never. it would be like a world where we have elders and youth sitting at the forefront of what change looks like. And the rest of us are kind of working towards how we can get to that, to that. Because at the end of the day, you know, the, the elders are the ones that have, like we were talking about before, built up cases and cases and cases of tools to be able to navigate through this world. And that is um, that is information and data that can be utilized to your point to highlight where these blind spots are. To think through, do we want it to that? Do we want it to be so difficult for X, Y, and Z to happen as it was for these elders? And then the youth have such a vision, such a uh, uh, like a vivid vision of what mm -hmm. the world, what they would like to see the world to look like, and very clear. It feels like uh, action steps as to how to move towards that as long as you give them that, uh, as long as you affirm the confidence in their ability to do so. Yeah. Uh, and so in my vision of, of the world, 
it would look like that. And figuring out what balance looks like in between that, I think is, it goes through everything that we're talking about today. You'd start coming up through personal practices, thinking about what that looks like in your community and then trying to connect to those, those uh, spearheads of, <laughs> of vision and, and movement. Um, that's what comes to me. That was such an exciting question. It was hard. How <laughs> <laughs> about you? Yeah, um, I'm thinking about true freedom and liberty. I'm thinking about being able to be and do whatever you want to do as long as you're not creating any harm to anyone else or anything else. Um, and to, yeah, really be thinking about what that looks like. That's that for me is like the future of peace. I'm thinking of a conversation that I had with my um, younger daughter. And uh, I always say this when I have an opportunity to say this because it was really mind blowing and it really spoke to um, the limitations that we can create because of the narratives that we hold um, in our bodies. When my young person was talking about um, becoming friends with Elon Musk uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I was just like, yeah, right. Like, and I, and I said it so passively. Yeah. Right. So I imagine a little, you know, young black girl with, you know, a multi-billionaire person, they're going to become best friends. What is, you know, and she was just like in the metaverse, I can be anything I want to be. Mm. And it was just like a. <laughs> <laughs> moment, <Well>. of <laughs> moment of reflection. <laughs> Right, right, and right. How do you adapt to that? Because the reality is that um, in our youth, there is there's little limitations of what it is that we, you know, the world and the experience of the world gives us that. But there's little limitations of what all of the possibilities can can and should be. Um, and so. And so how are we creating spaces that allow us that, to allow us to really be in our full expressions of ourselves without being limited by social norms, by narratives that are harmful, by um, um, the, the concept of power over, um, with like dominion and control and fear and violence and all of what we actually sit in. Um, and I think a part of being able to get to that is to really acknowledge how we've been rooted in those things of the past to see where it's gotten us today. And it has not gotten us to a place where we wanna be at, at all um, for anybody, however you define. Like, people are not in their happiness. We know that you know, white males have the highest rate of, of suicide because there's a standard that they're trying to achieve that is unachievable <laughs> like, and frustrating to not be able to reach this uh, arbitrary goal that we've set for um, ourselves. We know that there's so much violence, interper interpersonal violence in communities, you know, um, amongst each other because people are not having their basic needs being met, right? And, and then you're still holding this, um, this, this social construct that we're born out of, this violence and fear and I must have and you can't have and, and all of these things. So if, if we are doing a uh, uh, ideological shift at a foundational level um, where we're allowing people to be in the expression of themselves and to be thinking about the reality of your expression is not 
people can do what they need to do. It's not really having that much of a harm or impact on me. And if it is, can we communicate through what that looks like to be able to get to the balance and the peace that we're that we've been speaking about? But that's what I see the future of now. Um, and a lot of joy spaces. Yeah. A good food. <laughs> <laughs> Music, art, Great. movement, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Freedom of movement, freedom of voice, freedom of expression. Yeah. Um, all of the things uh is is what's exciting to me. Um, and what I think about in the as a vivid picture of, of what the what the future would look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that piece of, of joy spaces is so pivotal. I feel like especially in you know activist work, it's like you get that gets lost. The, yeah. the, it's so it's like it's essential. It's essential and it's vital um, to make sure that we're feeding into that space because. It's kind of like the essence of what you do. It's kind of, it, it is the like, the fuel that generates the change uh, that mm-hmm. folks are working towards. And so I'm glad that you highlighted that. That's really, really, really important. Really, really important. I think all of the highlighting has been really, really, really. <laughs> no, it is, it is really, really, really all of it. Yeah. But even in this conversation, right, where it's like, these are really heavy elements that we're talking about, but we're laughing and we're smiling yeah. through it. How are we making the future more pleasurable? I think mm. is is the key. Yes. Everything is the key, you know. But it's like, what are we doing? Um, what is what, I don't, again? Like, I feel like all these quotes are not my quotes, <laughs> but there's like this. How are we making it? Is it Tony? Where it's like, how are we making um, activism irresistible? Mm. Oh, I, I love that. You know, and I think again, how are we making? activism Uh, irresistible Mm. you know um which ties in really you know is hand in hand to like how how are we making this as pleasurable as possible um because it's necessary i think about there's this uh moment uh there's this documentary called crip camp and it's about the the summer camp for folks who had various disabilities and that then turned into um a place of uh, um, active, like they were, you know, getting together to do some activism work and they took over a building. And in that building, they took over, they took over for a couple of days and they came up with strategies as to support people who are in wheelchairs and all these different needs they cataloged in this space with each other and this building that they took over where folks were cutting off supplies to them getting food and they had to be very specific about how to you know, be in the, but in, even in the midst of that, there we're having, they have uh, old video footage of it and they have people singing songs in different spaces. And they were very intentional about like, you know, uplift starting the day in like an uplifting way. And then talking through uh, what, what, what are the actions that they're going to move through? But, it, but the joy in it is like so undeniable, even yeah. through these really, really hard pieces. And I was just like, uh, imagine that, like you're to your point of like these norms that were set, you would think that this was just like militant. Like if somebody were to tell me this, I'd be like, oh, like those folks were hardcore. What's a smile, you know? And it's like, oh no, no, no. It took actually the opposite of that for that to be able to sustain days um, where you would think that it was completely impossible. So yeah. yeah. And it also makes me think of like, what are some actions now, like legislative actions that we can move towards um, to get towards our visions of peace. I know you have a list. One of the things that I feel like 
is near to my heart right now is the People CDC has this petition mm, out yes, yeah. extending um, the state of emergency for folks to get access to free tests still and masks and funding for ventilation upgrades and paid sick leave and really, really important in addition to all of that is uh, long-term uh, research for long COVID and COVID treatments, like creating a fund for that. And so I know that the people CDC has a petition that's going out there, but I know you have a host of different legislation that is also being uplifted right now. Yeah, but I mean, the people CDC is, is hugely important, right? Because if we don't have our health, then all the other things that we're talking about kind of move. Null and void. And I love this idea of the of the people again coming together and representing because we've gotten into this pattern of letting other people make decisions about how our life, you know, we've entrusted this representative democracy to allowing other people to determine our lives, but we have the tools now for us, for each voice to be counted. Um, so I love this idea of the people CDC and then elevating and amplifying really the impacts that are occurring still with people um, in regards to the COVID pandemic, because of course, marginalized communities were hit hard. We're not, we're not, it's not gone for us. Right. There's still people that are dying. There's still people that are, that are sick, maybe mainstream, um, uh, groups of folks are okay but then for the people who it really hit hard this is it's not it has not ended the pandemic is still very very real um so i love opportunities for community to really come together um and amplify that because if we don't then it'll be lost um, right. so yeah but the other uh types of activism of course with the peace alliance one of the central um, pieces of legislation that we've been advocating for um, over 20 years at this point is the Department of Peace, uh, mm. which is a federal department, a federal cabinet department um, advocating for peace. And I'm going to offer in this moment um, a legislative update and encourage anyone who is listening to this and has gotten this far in hearing us have conversations about peace building and the things that we need to do um, to really take a look, a deep dive at this bill and what the benefits of a department that is focused on peace building would look like. Um, and so the bill is proposed and has been proposed by Congresswoman Barbara Lee, woo woo, about the Bay Area. <laughs> um, and uh, so Barbara Lee is planning to reintroduce um, the Department of Peacebuilding Act of 2023 and to Congress. Um, this is the 118th Congress. Um, and some similar bills have been introduced um, in Congress every year since 2001. Uh, we need everyone's help to be able to uh, let our legislators know that this is an important piece of legislation that we really want to um, advocate for. Um, so H.R. 1111 is what the bill is traditionally referred to as, um, and it recognizes that peace is a human right and a security issue. Systemic racism is a significant driver of violence and a key obstacle to peace in the United States. So it's really about, again, acknowledging um, the 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 structures and institutions that are upholding us uh, violence that don't allow us to actually get to a place of peace building. 
Um, the bill provides for confronting and uprooting systemic racism in America, um, requiring efforts by the federal government um, to properly acknowledge, memorialize, and be a catalyst for progress towards permanently eliminating persistent racial inequalities. We have some really good examples of that in, in other um, governments across the world, across the globe. Um, and uh, part of this bill also includes a commission on truth, racial healing, and transformation. I'm in a U.S. commission to study and develop reparation proposals for African Americans in particular. Uh, we have been speaking about like that that trauma that we embody, that we hold, um, and trying to get just for our larger community to a place of, of being able to have some su sustainability to be able to continue to evolve and expand. Um, the DOP legislation calls for prioritizing peace in this nation. It's not something that we do. We speak about violence all the time. In this nation? <laughs> 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 we did our, the 60s. Um, but like, what would it be if we were able to continue to have the conversations like we had today where we're actually yeah. speaking about what does actual peace look like? We know that the violence is occurring. We know the different levels of violence. There's been all kinds of research, but now mm -hmm. let's focus some of that energy and shift our focus on like really talking about the elements of peace building and the elements of meeting people's needs so that they can get to the balance of what um, they're doing. And then commissioning a group and appropriating funds to being able to do this work with the department, um, I think is, is critical in the work. And so that's why we are really are advocating for and supporting this department of peace building. Um, and let's see what else. It, the, right now, the folks that are working on the committee are inviting people to please contact your member of com Congress to co-sponsor HR 1111. Um, you're able to sign your group and yourself up to endorse the Department of Peacebuilding. And the more signatures and the more people support the legislation, the more it will become a priority area for our legislators to be thinking about. Um, you're able to take this action now if you go to the Peace Alliance website, which is www.peacealliance.org. And then you will see a blue button that says take civic action now. And if you push that blue button, you will see the Department Department of Peacebuilding bill um, and can sign on the legislation. And then you'll see like a number of other legislative priorities that um, we as peacebuilders have identified would really help in towards the goal of, of getting on a journey towards peace, I would like to say. Um, and and uh, this, this concept of, of non-violence, but we also want to include this concept of, you know, lack of disturbance, of being able to be um, peaceful in your body. Um, so yeah, the provisions, um, there's some new provisions each year that the Department of Peacebuilding bill is proposed. Um, there's a change in some of the language. And so now uh, uh, the 2023 provisions include confronting and uprooting the systemic racism, I'm repeating, in America, uh, which will require efforts by the federal government to properly acknowledge, memorialize, and be a catalyst for progress toward permanently eliminating persistent racial inequalities. Um, another component of legislation is to start including peace education, not only the anti-bullying, anti-harassment, non-violent conflict resolution education, but to actually be speaking into peace building that's inclusive of mindfulness and restorative practices. 
um, and studying the US civil rights movement and human rights movement and liberties. That's really important because we see attacks happening on that right now in um, states like the one that we live in, Florida. Um, but to be able to, uh, on a federal level, address some of, um, some of those attacks that are occurring at the local and state levels. It also includes peace education curriculum development um, and consultation with indigenous communities. It's really important for us to bring our indigenous technologies back into the forefront um, because we need to be, uh, be thinking about the future as far as our environment goes. Um, and our indigenous population really had a, a strong foothold. <laughs> they were rooted in, in Mother Earth. Um, to be able to be uh, the experts in what it is that we need to do, that we need to be getting back to doing so that we can, again, have some sustainability. Um, and, and developing violence prevention and violence de-escalation training for the general public. I think that that's going to be hugely also important for our, um, our policing agencies uh, to understand and learn uh, um, how to better uh, have violence prevention and uh, de-escalation training. It also encourages all nations to create infrastructures for peace. Um, I think about Ralph Bunch, who uh, came up, got a Nobel Peace Prize, uh, African-American identified human, um, who came up with a peace officer concept that has actually been instrumental um, in, a, in a number of countries across the globe. Um, and I'm believing that that might be one of the solutions that we can think about here in this nation is to really think about instead of our 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 this punitive um uh um all of the language that comes when I'm thinking about the transgressions of the police and the policing industry um and shift the ideology to like something that would be stronger in developing um uh, communities that are safer from violence um if we're focusing on yeah, a different method of, um, of uh, supporting the communities. So that is our Department of Peace Building Bill um, that the Peace Alliance uh, is in complete advocacy and support for. In addition to, if you go to the Peace Alliance website at this time, you will see the George Floyd in Policing Act that was proposed in 2020. Um, you will see the Eric Gardner Excessive Force Act um, and you will see uh, the Grieving Families Act. The Grieving Families Act, yeah, that's a that's another one. The Grieving Families Act is local to New York, but I have a vision, a peace building vision that um, we have a proposal um, of legislation this year called just like the Policing Act, um, and remove the specific names of the people who have been transgressed because the names are increasing all of the time, um, and just be focusing on. How are we transforming policing in our um, in our nation? One, so that we can uh, create safer communities for ourselves, um, and to be thinking about it in that way. But then also be the global model that we want to be um, on on how to uh, to create up a, to create an institution that's really um, about about safety in a way that's safe for and equitable for all communities that live in the United States. Um, so that's our Department of Peace Building update. If you're interested in participating in the 
uh, Department of Peacebuilding Committee. You can also go to the Peace Alliance website. Um, there is an open call meeting for community members to get more information about um, the, the legislation and then advocate with their uh, respective legislators. So there's that opportunity and there's come tons of opportunity to take action now and, um, and support other legislation that will help for uh, creating greater peace in various communities. Yeah. Oh, and that petition from the People CDC, that's at actionnetwork.org forward slash letters maintain dash healthcare. Okay, you're yeah. probably going to say that again. Yeah, actionnetwork.org forward slash letters forward slash maintain dash healthcare. And that's also on the People CDC, uh, um, I think their website and also on their Instagram bio. Excellent. So the people, CDC, we might be able to add that piece of legislation also to the Peace Alliance. Um, oh, I'll link to it, make those connections. Um, so thank you for amplifying that. And we welcome our host, Ms. Deanne Tate, back uh, onto screen. But also, I want to say thank you, Jay. Thank you for this conversation. This is great. And thank you, Diane, for the invitation. Absolutely. Wow. 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 We could just go all night. Um, thank you both. Um, it, it was amazing to just listen to the conversation. I had lots of takeaways. I, I really appreciated the reminder of the embodiment and to be in touch with where your body is and what energy you're bringing into the space. That's something I've been uh, spending a little time around lately uh, in this environment where you work from home and you never leave your house. And I live alone. So there's like, you know, those, those, I, I've gotten so accustomed to talking to people through screens and, and you lose that connection and, uh, and how important that is to, to remind myself because, you know, ultimately the work that we're doing here is, is so important, but it's all about community. It's all about caring for others and seeing the humanity in ourselves and in everyone else around us. And wow. So lots of, I'll be thinking about this conversation quite for quite some time for sure. And um, I really appreciate Hugh, you bringing into the space about the CDC um, uh, action and Jay talking about the different legislation and, you know, with the peace lines, the thing that we want to do is just give people an avenue. We, you know, we want to give you a tool to be able to communicate with your elected officials, because a lot of folks don't know how to do that. It can be a little scary, a little intimidating, um, you know, besides the fact that there's been generations of us being taught that we're not supposed to talk to our legislators and try to unpack that a little bit. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of what the, what the Peace Alliance wants to do is to, you know, give you all the tools to be able to talk to the folks that you've elected to represent you in government and tell them what you want and what you need. And, uh, the more they hear from us, the hopefully the more they will represent us in a better way than they do sometimes. So that's the hope. We'll we'll, we'll keep we'll keep putting that into the into the ethers and try to manifest that. Um, so anyway, just thank you, Q. Thank you, Jay. Um, wonderful, wonderful dialogue. And um, I'm going to close it out, but I, I really appreciate everything that was offered here today. And, um, and I know that folks that watch this recording and listen to it on our Peace on podcast later on, 
um, well, I'm sure they will take quite a bit away from it as well. So thank you, ladies, both. And uh, so I just want to say to all of you out there, uh, thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We, uh, our intention is that it inspires you to look deeper inside yourself. Uh, hopefully you can identify ways that you can expand your own work for peace because we do believe peace building, it's an action, it's a verb. Um, and as well as engage in dialogue, we encourage you to take what you've heard today, to um, take what you might hear in other podcasts or what you see on the website and take it into your community and start dialogues with your neighbors and your families and your friends and your coworkers. And uh, it does take some courage to do that sometimes, but, uh, but we encourage you to, to try to find that courage within yourself because that's how we make a better world. So, uh, so Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance. And as Jay mentioned, you can find us at peacealliance.org. Um, and you can go to our website and find all of the different actions that was talked about today. And we'll also have those links in the show notes. So be sure to check them out there. So until next time, take care. Peace on. Peace on. Peace on. Have a great afternoon. And I've